for joining us today on episode number 76 of the Real Life Runners podcast. If you were lucky enough to start running in life when you were a kid, you were probably a part of a team. But if you started running as an adult, you might not have a team or even know what it feels like to be a part of a team. So today we're going to be talking about finding your team now that you're a runner and all the benefits that that can bring. This is the Real Life Runners podcast, and we're your hosts, Kevin and Angie Brown. Thanks for spending some time with us today. Now let's get running. So if you've been listening to our podcast for any amount of time, you know that Angie's got her running crew. I do. And she loves them. I do. (laughs) And and that I had more of a running crew when I was like 15 mm-hmm. and, and they were fantastic. And that was, that was my team. I had a high school team. I had a college team and now I don't have as much of a, a team around me and you've got this big team setting. Yeah. And, uh, you know, a few days ago you were again talking, like we were just talking to each other about, you know, running whatnot, <laughs> cause that's what we do. And you were just saying how thankful you are to have a team mm-hmm. and to have this group of people that help you push yourself to new levels. And we're like, well, that, that should be our episode. Right. Because in order to push yourself to new levels and to reach higher, you need some sort of support. Professional runners have coaches. They've got... A uh, strength coach, a running coach. Psychologists. They're massage therapists. Yeah. They're... Physical uh, therapists. Yes. Nutritionists. Of course, the nutritionist. They've possibly multiple of each of those things. Right. And then there's their teammates. And possibly their teammates. Some of them kind of go solo, but a lot, especially over the last few years, there have been these little like clusters yeah. of elites popping up all over the country of of these training programs mm-hmm. and these, these clubs and, and squads, the clubs, whatever yeah. they, they call them. Um, and it's this, it's this united thing and they, whatever the distances are, you know, it's a group of people that race anything from one mile up to a marathon and they all train together Mm -hmm. and they all support each other. Right. Because ultimately it's, it's that support system that I think a lot of people need and are looking for. And it's something that I've found super helpful in my own running. So let's talk about that now. Let's talk about the benefits of having a support system. All right, well, the biggest thing that we, we've said this before, if you are ever going to have a chance of great success, you have to be able to risk failure. Okay. So in order to risk failure, you need to have that unquestioned support surrounding you. Gotcha. You know, I don't think we need to go into crazy depth on this, but this is something I've tried to drive home again and again on the on our, our team, uh, our cross-country team, especially this, this track team, is I've got so many young people, so many kids new to this. Like, you have to be just willing to put yourself out there. Mm-hmm. And one of the best ways to do it is to have so many people around you. Right, because then you have more people there that are – willing to pick you up when you fall and also that offer that support and let you know that it's okay to fail, that they still love you as much. They still are there to support you no matter what the outcome is. You've got the the solo runners who like to think that it's easier to fail when they're by themselves because no one can catch them doing something that's not perfect. But ultimately it's it's so much easier to have a group of people around you because if you fall down and you fall down and you fall down eventually you just get too tired to keep putting yourself picking yourself back up and you're less likely to take that risk because if you if you fall again who's going to be there to pick yourself up well i think that 
it's it's kind of a double-edged sword in some ways, right? I mean, if you are a part of a group, then you do feel that accountability. You do feel more pressure to perform. You do feel like you're letting other people down. If you're just a solo runner, then really the only person that you're letting down is yourself. Right. And there's, I mean, like you said, there's there's good and bads to both sides of this. When you get into a difficult race, it pretty much falls onto you during that rough patch. You know, mm-hmm. we've talked about this before of there's, there's mental strategies and you can think about people that you're doing it for, but you know, at, at mile 10, 11 and a half marathon, it's just you out there on the road. Like mm-hmm. there may be other people around, but it's a very personal thing. So there are some benefits to solo, but there's a lot of, there's a lot to say for having a group of people around you. Mm-hmm. You know, you look at great results out of, you know, professional marathon races, the ones with a huge cheer squad on the outside, whether you know them or not, you feel supported. Mm-hmm. Like people are yelling for you. Okay. So let's break this down a little bit further and go into some of the roles in this support system. So we like to break these down into a couple different categories. And the first where we want to talk about are the boundary pushers. And this is kind of what inspired this episode because I had come home one day after a hard training run that I was really unsure if I was going to be able to complete it. I told my friend, you know, I'll do my best to keep up with you. And she's constantly telling me that I'm faster than I I think I am. And it's like, you know, I keep hearing it from her and from some of the other people in my group and I'm starting to believe it, you know, and I'm starting to question the beliefs that I had about myself and I'm starting to question what my upper limit actually is. Yeah, you you fall into that dangerous category of uh, for a while, you didn't define yourself as runner. Right. You know, we've talked about this before. And then once you were a runner, you, you called yourself a, a slow runner. Mm-hmm. W- without other people around you, you would just continue to maybe not even define yourself as runner. Mm-hmm. And at, at best, put yourself into this slow category, which really limits what you can do. Right. You know, you go out with this group of girls day after day and you're like, well, I can run with these people. So if they're going to do this kind of workout, I'll just go with them on that kind of workout. And it it really expands your capabilities. Well, and I think that's one of the benefits of running with people that are faster than you too. Before, I didn't even try that. I wouldn't even attempt to run with certain people in my running group because I just already told myself that they were faster than me and that's (laughs) not where I should be. But... I think it's so funny that sometimes other people can see us in a way that we are unable to see ourselves. Yeah, whether it's uh, whether it's a, a coach or like a running friend, someone who isn't just looking, it, it's different than looking at yourself in a mirror. Mm-hmm. You've always got this preconceived bias sitting on yourself of like, oh, this is what, this is the category that I fall into. And when someone else is able to take a look at you and be like, actually... What I think you could do is this. It it knocks down all sorts of walls. Mm-hmm. I got a, a new girl on, on the track team. I'm like, have you ever considered long jump? And she's like, mm, no. And kind of looked at me like I had a second head. I'm like, I think long jump is going to be your thing. And, mm-hmm. and she's going for it because yeah. I said, I think it's your thing. She'd never even possibly considered it. Yeah. But she's open to it. Right. And I would say that you're one of my boundary pushers as well. Like sometimes you'll 
say things to me like, oh, I, I think you're able to do this or I think you're capable of this and I'll look at you like you're, you know, have a second head as well. <laughs> exactly. And, and look at you and say, really? Do you... Really, do you really think that, or, or are you just saying that to be nice? Or, or when I go the complete opposite direction, tell you that I, uh, I'm pretty sure you couldn't hit repeats at that pace. You ha- have only done that one. You, you actually have never said that before. <laughs> yeah, I, you've never said you you couldn't. I don't think you can. I know you have to be real subtle with that so that yeah. you don't get actually mad at me. But if you said anything in front of Angie that's like, I'm not sure you're going to be able to pull this one off. That's a sign that it's clearly going down. Well, that's because I feel like you then challenge me in in that way. Like if you tell me that I can't do something, then my initial reaction is nobody can tell me what I can and can't do. Like I'm I'm going to try to disprove that. Yeah, it's it's a tricky kind of fine line to play there because you still want to feel supportive. But sometimes you have to be supportive in, in the option of like, here's something that I want you to at least try to risk. I don't know if this is going to be possible. It might not go perfect, but give it a shot. Let's see where where that boundary is. Mm-hmm. It's it's helpful to have somebody, you know, at least have an idea that this is going to be really hard cuz if you're handed a workout and you're like, "Here, give this a shot" with no warning of this one's going to be really hard, mm-hmm. it it's helpful to kind of mentally prepare yourself for something like that also. You know, it it helps push the boundaries if you know, all right, this is one where I'm definitely going to have to dig deep. Mm-hmm. You know, you also don't want to go to that crazy dig deep place too many times. You've mm-hmm. got to make sure that you've got a, a nice balance within your workouts. Yeah, I definitely find it helpful when you tell me that about a workout. Like if you tell me you're very honest and say, okay, this one's going to be really tough, then I can start to mentally prepare myself to be able to dig a little bit deeper to try to reach some of those paces that I might not believe that I can hit them, but then I I say, okay, well, Kevin wouldn't give me this workout if he didn't believe that I had a chance at hitting it. So when I have that belief in my head, like you being that, that, that's like you being a boundary pusher for me. Like you believe this of me, so I'm going to go for it. It, That opens up some of the freedom for me to just try to go for it instead of just writing it off at the beginning. Yeah, you know that that it's at least a possibility. Yeah. I'm never going to give you something that I know you're just going to brutally crash and burn on. Right, like you're not going to give me like five minute per mile, half mile, or mile repeats. No, it's not going to happen. It's going to be something that's that's risky, something that might not go perfectly smooth, but it's not going to be, it's not a setup for automatic failure. Mm-hmm. Okay, so... You can have you can have pushers from the people around you, mm-hmm. from like the people that you're running with that are kind of pushing the pace a little bit on you, or they're giving you a new perspective on yourself mm-hmm. of no, just run with us. You ran with us yesterday, you ran with us the day before. We're right. going a little faster today, but just yeah. go with us. Yeah. That's a great boundary pusher. Mm-hmm. Coaches are great boundary pushers. Mm-hmm. Um, sometimes people are boundary pushers, they don't even know it. Because humans naturally compare themselves to others. Oh, that's a good point. They, yeah, so like, especially like in the running group, you look at what other people are doing and you're like, well, I bet I could do that too. And so yes. then you naturally just like, okay, well, if they can, then I might be able to. 
Especially if you have that competitive personality, which both of us have a bit of a competitive personality. You see other people around you, you're like, okay, well, they're a little bit faster than me, Mm -hmm. but maybe over the next month, I could probably be as fast as them. Right. You know, you're, you just try and inch towards that person or you know that you've been faster than other people in your group and now they're getting faster. So you want to make sure that you also get faster. Everybody sort of pushes themselves along together. Mm -hmm. You know, one of the... The kids on my team the other day, we're, we're just about to hit our first meet. And she goes, Coach, what do you think I can actually race? Mm-hmm. Like, how fast can I actually go? Because she's never run this before. She's a cross-country kid. She's raced three miles, and suddenly she's going to run a half a mile. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, well, there's about six of you, and I think that you guys are all going to be somewhere around the same time. And by the end of the season, I need the fastest four of you on a relay team. Mm -hmm. So I'm hoping that you all just keep pushing each other just one second faster and then one second faster and one second faster until you all become as fast as you possibly can Mm -hmm. because you just keep dragging each other. Yeah. Yeah, I think that that's a huge like benefit of having other people around you that you're like have similar abilities. Yes. On the other hand, I think that that can also get a little tricky because that can lead to overtraining. Like I know that my running group that I'm, you know, the people that I currently run with, like and do my speed work with and that kind of thing, I can keep up with them during certain workouts. Like I don't know and and I still I still don't know if this is just me mentally limiting myself that I just don't go along with them for all the workouts, but it's also me trying to be smart and not trying to overtrain myself because I know that they're faster than me currently, but then I question, I'm like, well, are they faster? Like, am I closer to them than I'm giving myself credit for? Like, should I be running at a faster pace for these other workouts? And so I think it's a, it can be a tricky balance because if I'm not getting the proper amount of recovery, like if I'm trying to keep up with them on all of my runs, then I might not be giving my body enough recovery, which can then lead to overtraining and injury. Yes. So that, I mean, that was my issue in college yeah. is I could kind of keep up on certain days, but right. I couldn't do it every single day, day in and day out. Right. Eventually I would, I would completely fall off the back on, on whatever the workout was mm-hmm. or I'd get hurt. Yeah. And so that's one of the reasons that I have been picking and choosing which workouts I do with certain people. Like, so I will do some speed workouts with people that are faster than me and then just make it my goal to keep up with them. Because if I go faster than I am capable, that I thought that I was capable of, that's a good thing, right? I'm pushing myself over that boundary. But if I'm supposed to be going out on an easy recovery run and I go out with my faster friends who maybe their easy recovery run pace is faster than me, or maybe they're just feeling better than I am on that day. Like I had this conversation. That's a huge one. Right? I had this conversation with my friend um, just yesterday, I think, or two days ago. I I lose track of days. But um, she was talking about how she had a recovery run this week. And she normally her recovery pace is around 9 to 9.15. But for whatever reason, that day her legs were tired. I think she had lifted the day before and, you know, her body was really feeling like more like 930 pace should be that pace that day. And she made plans to run with someone else. So she felt, yeah. So she felt like she needed to keep that pace, even though her body that day was telling her otherwise. Uh, See, that's really tough because then that was like a recovery run, but you didn't actually recover. So then you need another recovery run following that. Right. And depending on how your schedule works, 
works that next day might be speed again. Exactly. Or, or a lifting day or whatever it is. Right. So, so you that's do, where you, it gets tricky. And so that's one of the reasons that I've chosen to do my speed work with like my faster friends and then make sure that I still get in my recovery miles either solo, like I have been doing a portion of them solo, or I'll start out with like another group that is usually around my recovery pace. And if they're feeling good that day, then I'll just pull myself back. Like I'll just sometimes have to fall out the back of the group. If I'm just not feeling up to it that day, if I need to go slower, then I just have to force myself to do that. And sometimes it stinks, you know, because when you're out on a 10 mile run and you don't want to really be by yourself, you know, yeah, you, you want to be with other people. You love the social aspect of yeah. going off on a distance Because well, you're run. chatting the whole time, yes. you know, like you're out running, you're with other people. And so you don't really want to be by yourself. And so <laughs> you, you thrive on running with other people. I'm, on the other hand, I'm like, yes, a 10 mile run and I can be solo. I know. I, I still I still think you would benefit from having some running buddies. Yes, having running buddies, it's it's tricky. I was actually off running this morning, almost ran into a couple of people. Mm-hmm. I, I ran past a woman this morning who was wearing what seemed like really strong-smelling sunscreen. It was like 5.30 this morning. Mm-hmm. Either her run was going to be really long was and eventually... No, oh. just a lot of sunscreen. Oh, there's this lady that I see that we see every Tuesday and Thursday, and she wears a jacket and sunscreen at 5:30 in the morning. Yeah, it's dark. I, it may, maybe it's going to be a really long run. So that woman, um, I'm really curious how long she's out there for. <laughs> And and then on the way back in, I, I passed another guy. Um, we were going opposite directions of each other. And he looked like he was moving at a pretty good clip and was pretty close to our house. So every once in a while I go off on these runs and I'm like, maybe I should figure out where that person lives and maybe I can have a running friend. Mm-hmm. Um, I also thought it was funny because I'm. it was very dark, but I'm pretty sure he had a giant poop emoji on his shirt too. <laughs> so he, he's, he's probably a little eccentric. <laughs> All right, so... Those are kind of the boundary pushers, right? They're, the boundary pushers are those people that make us to start question questioning our abilities. They, they help us to push ourselves out of our comfort zone. They help us to continue to reach higher and push more. And I feel like I'm saying push a lot. <laughs> Well, I mean, but, that's what that's why they're boundary pushers. Right. That's their job. But they're they're also in they the accountability partner kind of falls into that same category of don't just keep falling off the back end. This this is what you're doing, and yeah. it's you know it boundary pushing is one aspect of the support. Mm-hmm. But that person, one of the the sort of flip side to them, they are also your accountability mm-hmm. very often. Very often, that's true. All right, so the next group of people that we want to talk about are teachers. And I would say coaches would probably fall into this category as well, wouldn't you? Yeah. I mean, coaches and running buddies fall into all of these categories. I I think your best coach is going to fall into all of them. And a good running friend is going to fall into most of them, if not all of them. Yeah, I would say so. Like they really would. So teachers, um, all right. In the world of running, there are several different like core coaching philosophies and different coaches kind of lean one way or the other, or people who've been running for a while have the way that they do it. Like this is the workout that works best for them. Everyone's got their own personal bias, whatever it is. So, um, if you if you really are thinking about training, the best way to think about training yourself or trying to get as fast as possible is not based off of what someone else is doing. Like what that person is doing is not necessarily going to be perfect for you. You are an experiment of one. Mm-hmm. But 
in the in the world of teachers, just being open to seeing what else is out there opens the possibility of, oh, maybe that's something I should consider. Maybe that's something I should experiment with adding a little bit of that into my own plan. This doesn't mean you should jump from one philosophy to the next to the next to the next and just keep hopping different ideas, mm-hmm. but at least it opens the idea of there's more than one way to go at this. Yeah, I think that that's key, that you just have to surround yourself with other people that have other knowledge, you know, other than what you've got and just be completely open to learning. I was talking to Riley about this tonight, just needing to learn constantly. Like that's how I feel. Like I am always willing to learn, wanting to learn. I need new knowledge. I like yearn for it. And if I ever feel like I'm bored or stagnant, I just, I can't. Like I have to be constantly trying to learn something. And that's just part of who I am. That's part of my personality. I'm very curious in that way. I want to be open to new um, thoughts, ideas, experiences. And so when you surround yourself with other people that can teach you things, that is huge in, in what, um, in your support system. Yeah, it's, it's fantastic. I mean, I know when you really got more and more into running and were looking to me for advice, I'm like, uh, we're not going to be able to train the same way. Yeah. Like we train differently for multiple reasons. Like Mm -hmm. we train at different speeds. Sure. But we just optimize differently. We, we are built differently. Yeah. We're different body types. We're different body types and we have different like goals for our running. Like both of us are trying to get faster, but you are just looking for overall, just, I want to be in better shape at the end of the day mm-hmm. in like in all aspects and yes you'd like to be faster but mm-hmm. you're looking to be in better shape overall right. i'm looking more running specific mm-hmm. so you know there's there's just little differences on that and i i really had to try and think and 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 well it kind of goes back to the last one push my own coaching philosophy right. of how to accommodate what you wanted yeah. and make it blend nicely with with what i was trying to get you to do and it didn't work real smooth at first mm-hmm. well i feel like <laughs> we've been learning this together you know like it's like you definitely had your core philosophy of how you've been coaching yourself and training yourself and how you've trained with other coaches in the past and all of those things work pretty well for you yeah cuz like my own training philosophy was a blend of all the previous coaches I had and a few different things that I've I've read. Right. But now it's it's fun because I'm different and so you have made comments to me multiple times about how you've had to try to figure things out to suit me better. Yeah. I'm you like, well, you can do this workout. I did this one yesterday. Oh no wait, you should right. not do that workout. It's not gonna benefit you at all. Right. And it's it's change the way that we've coached our team as well. Yes. And I mean, obviously the individual clients we have, but also just the cross country team, because we now look, you know, cross country, I I feel like cross country coaching in general, a lot of times the team shows up and the coach has the workout for the day and everybody does the same workout. And now we are individualizing it a lot more based on the person's body type and goals and training load and a lot of other factors that we're taking into account. Yeah, and we've we've talked about this before too. It's the difference between being a a cook and being a chef. Mm-hmm. You know, there's a line cook who's yeah. like, here's the recipe, follow the recipe, put these ingredients in, get this outcome. Yeah. And actually being able to look at it and be like, okay, well, we started making something, but it doesn't look quite right. Mm-hmm. What do I actually need to do to adjust it? Yeah. And sometimes you need outside eyes to see that. Yes. You know, when uh, you were you were out, 
on what was it on Sunday morning. So mm-hmm. I was it was my responsibility to cook Sunday morning pancakes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, oh yeah, when I went to the baby shower. Yeah, honey, what's the recipe for this? And I followed the recipe. And you're like, well, you know, you just need a balance of wet and dry ingredients. I'm like, I did, I don't know. I need give me the recipe for this. <laughs> Yeah. They're not going to be the greatest pancakes, but they're going to be solid if you just give me a recipe. But they're not they're not the best. And you kind of tweak your thing each week. Yeah, I because change it up a little. You can look at the at what you at the batter that you've created and you're like, "All right, well it needs a little bit more of this." And it'll turn out great. Whereas I don't have as much knowledge on that one. I need more experience of it. Mm-hmm. I need more work with a teacher mm-hmm. so that I can look at it and be like, oh, that's what I'm going for. That's mm-hmm. the approach that I want to go with. Right. And so when you are exposed to a lot of different teachers and you've just been in the running world for an extended period of time, you're going to be exposed to more of these things, I think. And so that's going to help to kind of expand your repertoire and know different ways to, to kind of attack things to f- figure out what it might work best for you. Yeah, and it's it's very key that you're open, yeah. that you're not locked into what you're doing is the best thing. Maybe you just need to add something extra on top of it. Mm-hmm. Like what you're doing might be the best thing for someone else, but actually talking with other people and be like, this is what I've been doing for training. What are you doing for training? Maybe we could talk about this and figure out what's going wrong with mine, especially if you're on an injury cycle. Yeah. Every, you know, four to six weeks you're you're hurt and sidelined again. Yeah. An outside set of eyes, much like they can see that you might be faster than you think you are, they could look at your training plan real quickly and be like, oh, well you should do this. Mm-hmm. And it's if you probably like take another recovery day. Yeah. And if you, if you're open to it, if you're not seeing is that anything they're trying to put out there is criticism, what they're coming with it is, is trying to give a helpful guidance. Yeah. Okay. Then it's, it's much easier to, to accept it as like, Oh, I've never thought of it that way. Or mm-hmm. I've never looked at it from that perspective. Yeah. But at the same time, Right? There's always a flip side. Always the flip side. You don't want to be just like jumping from plan to plan to plan to plan because then you're never going to actually reap the benefits of the one that you're currently on. So if you're currently on a plan and you've been on that for four weeks and you're not seeing the results that you want, it's probably too soon for you to just start jumping, you know, just to assume that that plan is no longer working for you or that's the wrong plan for you. Like you can do little tweaks to maybe improve that plan a little, or you maybe just haven't given it enough time yet. And, you know, one of the real dangerous ones on that is you've been on a plan for four weeks and you're like, yeah, this isn't going anywhere. And you jump ship. Mm -hmm. And within three days, suddenly you're seeing benefits. Mm -hmm. You didn't get benefits off the new plan. Right. You got benefits off those last four weeks. Right. Like that's what you actually benefited from. And suddenly you're like, oh, this new plan is perfect. No, it wasn't. It's the, it's the four week buildup that you had going into that, that you're finally reaping the benefits from. Right. You know, when I first got into coaching, uh, one of the the other coaches I was working with, his overall training philosophy was almost polar opposite to mine. He started with speed and added in distance, mm-hmm. whereas I started more with distance and added in speed. We could not work well together, yeah, because athletes were like they weren't even sure what to do mm-hmm. because the the coaches were coming at it from two completely different sides, and it was like, well. You can't just do some of this one and some of that one because suddenly they were getting over distance and extra speed and it was just too much for high school kids. Yeah, yeah. You, as coaches, you needed to come to some sort of 
compromise together to figure out how to make the two training styles work together. Right. Because just trying to stack them on top of each other was a bad idea. Right. So sometimes taking a little bit of, of from from one training style and being like, oh, I might want to try and add that thing from that training program mm -hmm. into my training, incorporate it yeah. rather than just overwhelmingly adopt an entire new training style. Just mm -hmm. try and incorporate something and see if that's a, that's a beneficial thing for, for you. Yeah, exactly. So number three on our um, list of things, part of our, our support system are our friends, right? And we're talking about running friends and people that are not running friends. I think it's important for you to have both. I think it's very important to have both. Mm -hmm. So I, I've said this many times before, both on this podcast, both to my husband and both to my running friends, like nothing, like I feel like I get, have gotten closer, faster with my running friends than I have with other friends in the past. Like sometimes I think that it takes a longer time to build a friendship, build a relationship in the real world versus your running buddies. I feel like you can get closer to people and you start to know people on a deeper and more intimate level when you're running partners. Because like we've said before, nothing can bond people like being out on a run for two hours together. Or through like a ridiculous track workout. Yeah. When you're so emotionally spent from what you have to put into the run, mm -hmm. you don't have the energy to keep walls up. Right. Well, and it <laughs> they just, come crashing down. And, and it's like the same thing for any sort of disaster, right? Like if yes. you go through like a disaster or a crisis with someone, they've done plenty of research studies about how disasters and crises can bond people instantly and, and can create this sense of attachment between people. And in some cases that can be a good thing. In some cases it's, it's a bad thing. Be, right. You know, if those people should never have been connected in the first place and they just were able to go through a crisis together and, and then when they're on the other side of it, they realize, oh, this person's not the person that I yeah. thought they were. Yeah, but you know? th there's a connection. It just, right. it, maybe over time it's not going to be the tightest of connections. Right, but it, it's just that bond and that connection that you can um, form with someone when you're both suffering <laughs> training. Yeah. I mean, you're like, it's not, it's not always suffering a lot of, there's obviously a lot of good stuff, but when you're going through something like that, when you're pushing your body to those limits and you're asking yourself to dig deep and you've got someone right there by your side, that's doing the same thing. It can connect you very tightly. It can also add so much more fun to it. Yeah. You know, I uh, I was listening to a podcast with uh, a professional runner who goes with like a big group of, uh, of Nike athletes. And um, she was talking about how when they go off and run, it just seems so fun. And it just reminds her of when she was back in high school about how fun it was. And the uh, the host was like, what, why was high school so much fun? She goes, I, it was just the, like the group of girls, we just had so much fun because, you know, we'd get together and we'd go off on long runs and we'd work out in the gym a couple times a week. And I was waiting for her to say like different games that they were playing of the coach was like really trying to keep it light. And everything she did was like your normal standard high school training protocol. Mm -hmm. It's just that she was surrounded with a group of people that looked at it as this is so much fun. Well, and it's also being around like-minded individuals. Like yes. when you like, you know, there's that saying that that person's my type of crazy. Yes. You know, like, one. cause it's true. Like you, when you have other people that are training the same way as you, they get you. 
in a way that other people don't because then you have those non-runner friends that look at you like you're crazy like why <laughs> would you wake up at five o'clock in the morning on saturday to go out and run for two hours right right there are those friends and those friends are important too because they can help you to step outside your running like if your running does get stressful or does become a source of um, anxiety they can help you to step away from that yes, right they and, can ground you in the non-running in world. the non-running world right so it's important to have those people but the, the people that are in your running group and in your running community, they, they get you in a different way because they can understand the mentality behind it. Yeah, they see the silliness of some of this. You know, if you if you show up at a run on Saturday at 4.30 in the morning in the pitch black and everybody's wearing their fluorescent light-up vests, and, <laughs> you know, or if you're up north and you've got the same setting plus there's three feet of snow on the ground, if you don't look around and laugh a little bit, like, it is ridiculous what is about to go down. Like, why? <laughs> Why is why is no one back in bed? It's silly. Like you you have to laugh at this. And right. Otherwise, what's what's the alternative? Like mm -hmm. you have to see the humor in some of this of what we put ourselves through. Yeah. Because because we're runners, mm -hmm. it's what we do. Right. And as long as everybody kind of is on the same page of yeah no because that's just what we do. Right. And you have to see it and, and see it with a smile mm -hmm. because it's it's a funny world that we live in it is a funny world that we live in that's true and if you don't have a group in person that you like to run with there's ways to do it online too there's tons of virtual groups we have one we've got our our real life runners facebook group that's our our tribe and you can have a virtual support system and virtual running friends like you might not actually be able to hit the pavement next to them but they can still be there for support, for encouragement, for knowledge, like all the things that we just mentioned. You can get that online in a virtual group as I mean, I don't think it's the same as, you know, running with someone, but it's it's, it's, different. it's a good substitute if it, you don't have it. It's a solid substitute. You know? It lacks some of that, like, friend companionship yeah. because you don't actually have that ability to go off on a long run with them. Uh -huh. um, but you can see them in, I, I think, an important aspect. You might be able to see them as a non-runner, too. Mm -hmm. Okay? So your running friends, I think it's important to see them outside of just running yeah. and see if... One, do you actually get along with this person? Mm -hmm. Like, yeah, you can go off on a run with them and you can share all sorts of personal stories with them. But what about if you just try and go out to dinner? Mm -hmm. Like, do you actually even like this person? Yeah, do you have stuff to talk about other <laughs> right. than running? Other than running, which I think is kind of an, an interesting idea of see if you can actually have running friends when you're not running. Mm -hmm. That's a good one. And uh, a big one when I was in high school is have friends who don't run. Mm-hmm. Because they they help they help ground you. Like I had friends in that I would eat lunch with almost every single day through high school. None of them cared that I was on the track team. I don't think all of them even knew that I was on the track team because <laughs> they were off in their because we were all high school kids. So everybody's in their own little bubble of self importance. But it didn't matter to them that I had finished in whatever place at the meet the day before. They didn't care. And sometimes it's nice to have some people that actually don't think that running is the most important thing. Mm -hmm. You know, it's, they were friends with me for other reasons and it's nice to have that support. They weren't trying to go against running. It just, it wasn't an important aspect of our friendship. Well, and that's like family too. Yes. Like 
our girls, we've talked about this, like our girls don't care what our time is in the marathon or the half marathon. Like they love us anyway. And there's people there in your life that it doesn't matter. Like the, you know, running is a part of who you are. And we've talked about the runner identity and all that stuff, but ultimately it's a part of who you are. It's not the only defining feature. And so it's important for you to have this support system in your life. That's going to help you nourish that part of you. Because if you don't have the support system, that part of you is not going to be fully developed. And it's so beautiful and rewarding when it does start to get fully developed because running is, is, can be so much in your life. And that's part of the reason we started this podcast in general was because there are so many tie-ins to real life that running can teach us so much about ourselves. It can teach us so much about life in general, and there's just that beautiful aspect of it. But on the other hand, you want to also have that support system in your life where you can be someone outside of that runner identity as well. Yeah, I mean, it, otherwise you're just locked in and running is the only thing you've got. If if running becomes your sole identity, then if you're hurt or sick or you have a running like I was off of running and then sick and then we had family in town and I haven't run much at all in the last three weeks, then it just takes away too much of your own personality. Mm. And if, if you're so tied in of I am runner, then if you miss it for a couple of weeks, you, you feel lost in the world. Yeah. So don't let that happen. There you go. All right. So hopefully we have given you guys a good idea of why a support system and a team is so important. So surround yourself with like-minded people. If you have a running group in the town that you live in, go join it. You know, maybe... Maybe you can find some new running buddies, some new running friends. You can gain some new knowledge. Um, and like we said, the the some of the best people are three in one, right? They are knowledge. They are teachers. They are friends. They are boundary pushers. And they will support you on your running journey and then even in your life in general. So if you don't have a group like that near you, then come join our Facebook tribe online. You can find information about that over on the website, realliferunners.com. You can um, request to be added to our Facebook tribe because there's a lot of really great runners and they are all over the world. It's really cool to see some of them connect. You know, we've got our group in the UK. We've got some Canadians. We've got people in all over the United States. We've got people in Australia and New Zealand. There's just people all over, and it's so cool to see people connecting around the world. So if you want a tribe of of people that are just like you, that love running, come on over and join our our Facebook group. That's, I guess that's it. So I think that's really what we got. All right, you guys. Well, thank you so much for listening this week and for joining us as always. If you have a minute, we would love it if you would leave us a review on iTunes. That helps us get the word out. It helps us to bring this message to more people and help more runners, help everyone understand that you don't have to be a professional runner to have fun running and to make running a a very um, important part of your life. And so if you leave us a review, that would be great. Or you could share the episode with a friend anything you could do to share the love we would greatly greatly appreciate so thank you for spending this time with us today and we will talk to you next week